Creating your own reality. Is it possible for me? I am Jennifer Cahill, the Consciousness Architect, and I am here to tell you that it's not only possible, it's closer than you might think. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Regarding Consciousness. We are here today with a friend, an incredible human being who's also a practitioner on our om-heals.com platform, Lion Goodman. Lion has been called a belief therapist, a subconscious pattern detective, and a healer of the psyche. He helps people to resolve core wounds from childhood, and I will attest to that. I have done successful sessions with him and to delete limiting and negative beliefs from the subconscious mind. This helps to clear away any limitations, resistance, or blockages. He helps people to dive down into the causal matrix of the subconscious mind, where your beliefs create your reality. When you change your beliefs, your reality changes immediately and permanently. In addition to his therapeutic coaching, he also trains other coaches and healers in his clear beliefs method. He also works with senior executives who want to change their company culture. Lion, you are such an incredible human being. You've been doing great work in the world with your clear beliefs work. I know I've worked with you. We've referred to many people. Tell me, what do beliefs have to do with our consciousness? First of all, beliefs, when people think about beliefs, they usually think about a mental construct, like I believe in Santa Claus, or I believe in God, or I believe I'll have another beer, which is one of my favorite beliefs. What I've found is that beliefs go much deeper than just mental constructs. They're actually the infrastructure of human consciousness. And infrastructures like the pipes under the ground that deliver water to your house, right? There's something underneath everything that allows something to happen. So beliefs are the con- are the constructs that we create out of our experience. And experience is multidimensional. You're seeing, hearing, feeling, thinking, energetic, relational, all these parts of us, these this multidimensional consciousness we have, we're experiencing that all the time. And so when we come to a conclusion, which is a belief, then that conclusion or belief has to also be multidimensional. And most methodologies that try to clear beliefs are one-dimensional, like I'll just clear it from the mental mind, or I'll put a new belief in, and hopefully that will get rid of the old one. But it doesn't work because our beliefs are everywhere in us. And so my methodology that I created is multidimensional approach to clearing multidimensional beliefs, and that's why it works so well. I remember when we did work together, you also do a little bit of parts reconciliation work where you look at the different aspects of yourself that may actually have divergent beliefs. (laughs) Can you talk to us a little bit about that? So in my case, I'll give a little side note here. I had a part of myself, we call her Juicy, that believes that people need to be punished in order for me and everyone to stay safe, as opposed to the other part, quote-unquote, that is called angel that feels like you need to be people pleasing to be safe. And these two pieces were at odds with one another. So talk to us a little bit about how do we work with these disparate parts of ourselves and reconcile them along with our beliefs? Parts of ourselves are the aspects of self that have developed over time to take care of us mostly even the inner critic, which most people are familiar with, they hear that voice inside themselves and say, you're doing it wrong, or you're not perfect enough, or there's something wrong with you. 
those are parts that developed in our childhood to protect us and help us. So if your parent was critical, like my mother was, then we internalize that voice, put it in our own voice so it sounds like us. And then that part is helping us align with mom, for example. Rather than mom having to tell me I've done something wrong, I tell myself I've done something wrong so that she will like me more. And one of the principles of psychology is that if someone likes you who has power, they're less likely to throw you out to the wolves. So our primitive mind knows that we need to align with our parents. And so we take on their beliefs because that's the way to become part of a group. If you want to become part of a church, you take on their beliefs. We know this internally. So our consciousness is constantly trying to internalize how to get along in the world. And so a lot of the programs that we took on as children are now interfering with life. So you may have a program from childhood that says, cake, good to eat. <laughs> and now as an adult, you, to eat, by the way, that is not a belief. That is a certainty. <laughs> <laughs> a certainty is a belief that you believe completely. Yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, so now as an adult, you're trying to lose weight. And so your, your adult consciousness is saying, I have to stop eating sweets. And your child consciousness is saying, eat cake. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Eat ice cream, good. Eat ice cream and cake, very good. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So most people get stuck because they have these contrary beliefs or contrary parts of themselves that are fighting against each other. And resistance creates persistence. So if you have two parts of yourself pushing against each other, that's going to persist with the problem. And so, for example, you say, I'm going to lose five pounds this month. And immediately you hear the voices that say, you've never done that in your life. Forget it. Don't even bother trying. And another voice says, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, we have that wedding coming up. You can't stay on a diet during a wedding. <clears throat> and then the part that goes, cake and refrigerator, eat, good. <laughs> so we have these voices, these internal voices. And most people are stopped from moving forward or creating their life because of these internal conflicts and voices. It's not by external circumstances that people stop or quit. It's by the internal voices that get them to give up. And so by learning how to clear the beliefs and clear the voices, get the voices settled inside and give them different jobs, because they're trying to protect you mostly or trying to do something good for you, but they're doing the same job they were doing when you were five years old. So by updating them, we can transform them so that they become, instead of an inner critic, an inner cheerleader or a belief that says I'm no good to one that says I am a divine being. So that's my work is going in and making those changes in the psyche so that all the parts are aligned for the person's true purpose in life. I can hear our audience in my mind's eye lion. And what they're saying is how, when, how long does it take? <laughs> I've been fighting with cake my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very good relationship with cake myself. It's, <laughs> I love it's cake. <laughs> I was bleeding for 10 years. So I made peace with my body and with food a long time ago. So now if I eat something, in fact, I had a funny conversation with Deepak Chopra one day. I was in Italy last year. And I was about to have dessert at this restaurant I was at in Tuscany and Deepak having a call. And so I step away from dinner. I said, Deepak, just an aside, if I tell myself that this tiramisu is a carrot, 
will my body and consciousness register this tiramisu as a carrot? And of course, Deepak laughed. He said, oh, of course, Jennifer, we've been studying that for many years and that's already proven. So I'm just saying that because if you tell yourself something is good, quote unquote, for you, it could be good for you. But if we tell ourselves that it's bad or we're wrong for eating it, then that's where you get in an accidental adversarial relationship with yourself and food. Quick aside. <laughs> and exactly right, because our body responds to our beliefs, right? Our body is really created out of beliefs. We could even say that DNA is a belief. It's a belief that this molecule goes here and this molecule goes there. So we could look at everything in our human existence as based on beliefs. Now, that's just one perspective. There's lots of other perspectives. You could say that everything's based on emotions or everything's based on thoughts. But beliefs seem to me to be the the deep infrastructure and they explain a lot. Like, why do I do that thing? Or why do those other people do that thing? And if we look at history, there's a reason. It's like we're open computers as babies and we get programmed, but we want to be programmed. We want to survive. And so we're constantly looking around at the world, at our parents, at our siblings, and then our teachers and our friends to try to acquire the beliefs that will allow us to survive and get along because we're also social creatures. We belong to a troop. If we don't belong, we're going to be like a monkey that gets pushed out of a troop. We're going to be dead meat. <laughs> we're going to be a nice snack for a predator. So that's also part of our primitive consciousness. So we want to belong. It's one of our deepest drives. And belonging is, some people will stay in a relationship even though they're being hurt or harmed because belonging is more important than even physical survival. That's so powerful. So how long does it take, Lion, to begin to reprogram our brains? It's like you're recoding Lion Goodman, Jennifer K. Hill. How long does it take? Is it something that you can do in a week, in a month? It seems like it might be a lifetime to recode and reprogram all your beliefs. First of all, beliefs come in clusters. So you may have a cluster that includes, I'm no good. There's something wrong with me. Nobody likes me. I'm a piece of crap. And, and I'll never succeed. And they cluster together and they reinforce each other. So if we can get to the core of that entire cluster, we can often pop the whole cluster in one session. But sometimes it takes many sessions to clear one and then the next and then the next, and then finally it's a part. And in my estimation, most of us have three to five clusters of beliefs that are primary drivers of our life. So we also have tens of thousands of beliefs from growing up, and but most of them are neutral, some are positive, and some are negative. We just focus on the negative ones that are interfering with the person's life and clearing those, and then they can move forward. And then what happens is as you're moving forward in life, other beliefs crop up because they've been sitting in the subconscious mind watching and waiting. And so when, then you have a tool that you can clear them one at a time. I call it the machete method. Because you can get through a whole jungle with just a machete. You just cut what's in front of you, take a step forward, cut another thing in front of you, and take another step forward. So once we give our clients the tools they can use for the rest of their lives. So my, the, I get asked that question a lot. How many sessions will it take? It depends on how many beliefs you have, how many clusters you have, how deep they are. And, but we can often clear a single belief or a belief cluster in a single session. 
And how do we begin to identify these beliefs? I think that's probably the most insidious part about beliefs is that we're blind to them. We are completely blind. Most of us, we say, I, I hear people thinking out there right now. I hear you thinking this. I don't have any negative beliefs. That's not true at all. I just eat cake because I like cake. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have an exercise called belief self-diagnosis, which I offer in my eBooks. And it's a way of beginning to make the subconscious beliefs conscious. And it, the exercise is quite simple. So let's say you want to find out what your beliefs are about love, what's interfering with my love life. And so you take a piece of paper out or a new document on your computer, and you ask the question out loud, something I believe about love is, and then you listen to your mind. And your mind will feed you the information. And so you write down whatever you hear. Love is hard. Okay, you write down love is hard. Then you ask it again. Something else I believe about love is complicated because you write that down. And you keep doing that over and over again. You might come up with 20 or 50 or 100 beliefs that your subconscious is just offering you. And then you can look through them and say, okay, which of these are really interfering with my life? Which ones are positive for my life? Love is everywhere. Oh, that's a good one. I don't need to change that one. But but love is really complicated and difficult. Yeah, that's one I could work on. Yeah, that's so powerful. And I would imagine that there are probably 20, maybe I'm overestimating, key areas. Love, friendship, family, work, blah, 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 is blank. That people could just sit down with a piece of paper and explore. I guess you might want to start with the area of life that you're most confronted by. If it was your body or if it was relationships or work or finances, maybe start with the area that's most present in your life, correct? Yes. And then keep going. In fact, in my ebook, the exercise has 24 categories of life. <laughs> so you're very close estimate. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you can add you can add any category because the exercise works in any area of life. Beautiful. And I know there's another wonderful exercise, speaking of which, I remember you had joined me a year or two ago for a different show that I had hosted. And we had talked about the idea of pain and how different physical pains show up in our body and how it has almost a touch and a color. Can you talk us through that? That was one of my favorite exercises I've ever learned. I remember before you and I even met, I was taught that by our mutual friend, Steve Young, who was teaching your topic in a retreat I was at. I call the process body wisdom. It's actually quite common. There's many people that use it in different ways. I feel like I've really perfected it because it works so well. So whenever you have a body sensation, it's a way of communication. Our whole nervous system is a communication network. And so if you have a pain or a physical sensation, it's a way for the body to say, hey, there's something going on here. If you if a messenger comes to your door with a message to deliver and you, they knock on the door and you ignore them, they start knocking louder. And if you continue to ignore them, they knock even louder and then they start pounding on the door and then they get out a sledgehammer and start knocking your door down. That's what sensations are. They're trying to get your attention. Mm -hmm. And so if you put your full attention on the body sensation and then you look at it with your full consciousness, you say, okay, what shape is it? How big is it? Where are its outermost limits? What? How much does it weigh? What's its texture or material that it's made from? What's its temperature? Is it moving or is it still? Is it putting pressure in some direction? And if so, how much? And you're using your consciousness to, to examine the object of the sensation. And 
a couple things happen. One is that it begins to dissolve by itself because it's been trying to get your attention to say, hey, I'm here. There's something important to take note of. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't disappear completely on its own, then that means it's got a message it hasn't delivered. And so you put your attention on it and you ask the question, what message do you have for me? Now, then you listen carefully because it might respond in words, it might respond in sounds, or it might respond in colored lights moving or memories, anything could happen. But when you give your true attention to it, it en enables it to deliver some kind of message. I'll give you a quick example. I, wa I walked into a party once as an adult, and I knew a lot of people that were going to be at the party, and it was ex exciting to be there. And as soon as I walked in the door, I started feeling weird. Now, I didn't know what I was feeling, but it was weird. It was like my whole body was going <laughs> vibrating in some strange way. And I knew that there was something had been stimulated. I didn't know why, but I immediately sat down on a chair right at the entrance, closed my eyes. And I did exactly this process. I looked at the feeling in my body. It was like all through my body. I felt it. I received it. I received the information because that's what it was trying to send me. And then I asked, what message do you have for me? And immediately I heard, I don't belong here. That's a belief, right? So sometimes it will give you the belief that's going on. And I recognized, oh, yeah, that's a really old belief that I had as a kid. Somehow it got stimulated. It might have been because of a smell. It might have been because of somebody's color of a, the outfit they were wearing. It could have been anything, and it doesn't matter what. Something stimulated that old belief. So I did my process of clearing the belief and replacing the belief with I belong here. I stood up looked around, and it was a completely different party. People were warm and friendly, and they were saying, hey, Lion, come on over, let's talk. And so in that took about 20 seconds. And so in 20 seconds, I shifted my entire consciousness, my entire feeling of that party based on changing a belief. What I'm really present to, Lion, is accountability, is if we, it would be very easy to blame the people at the party, right? Like it would be very, I remember very clearly when I was 20 years old and first got to Los Angeles and you show up to a party and everybody's just checking each other out and <laughs> look at each other, nobody's talking. It's very easy to categorize people or parties or situations and make the other wrong, right? That's its own set of beliefs that this is wrong. This should not be this way. And what I'm hearing from everything that you've been sharing with us today is that when you do the work, when you put the onus on yourself and you do an internal, if you were, calculation or an internal accounting of where am I accountable for this? Where am I feeling this? Why am I feeling this? And what am I here to learn? That all of a sudden that breaks you free of the proverbial cage that we all seem to live in. That's beautifully said. In fact, I think I might steal hey, that from when you recognize that you are the creator of your reality and that the beliefs are the core tools for doing that creation then you get curious about wow how did i create that reality <laughs> so rather than say that person created my reality that's the victim stance and so we are always responsible for something now, there, there's an old joke that <clears throat> I'm taking full responsibility and I've decided that it's my 
issue that I got into a relationship with an asshole like you. That's not exactly accountability. <laughs> but we're projecting all the time also because our consciousness, our belief structure is projecting out into the world what we believe. And we see through this filter of our beliefs. So if I believe that people of a certain color are bad or there's something wrong with them, then when I look out at the world and I see people of that color, that's my feeling that I'm going to generate. It's, wow, they're bad people. And so the beliefs create our reality by filtering our perceptions and we use them to actually. So when you take responsibility as the artist of your life and then you recognize, oh, I painted the world that way. I wonder why. And so that's, <clears throat> that's the point at which you can really start changing your life because you're in charge. Yeah, you reminded me of a beautiful thing that happened probably over a decade ago. I love Agape in Los Angeles, which is a spiritual non-denominational center, and Michael Beckwith runs it. And one particular Sunday I was there, and he wasn't there. Ishmael Tete, this shaman from Africa, was there instead, and he shared a story. And he said, most of us don't think about it, but when we get out of bed every day, we put on a pair of glasses. And we don't even realize that we've done this, mind you, in the same way that you could have rose-colored glasses where everything appears to be rosy, then the same thing is true, but we don't realize that we are putting on disappointment-colored glasses, frustration-colored glasses, as you just pointed out, judgment-colored glasses. And until we bring, as my friend Arthur Samuel Joseph calls it, conscious awareness to the lenses and the filters and the glasses that we're putting on, we can't do anything about it. And I think our dream for all of us as human beings is number one, to be able to recognize the filter that we're putting on. Number two, empower ourselves to choose a different filter. And number three, one day, Lion, I don't know if it'll happen in our lifetimes, live in a no filter world, but that's something we can all aspire to. That's beautiful. Many times it's difficult to find the source material because a lot of our belief structures came in the first two years of life before we had words. And this is why word-based therapies are only partially effective because we have to get down to the pre-verbal consciousness, the pre-verbal beliefs that we structured. I'll give you an example. I was working with a multimillionaire who had made and lost millions of dollars many times over. Made millions, lost millions, made millions, lost millions. He was really tired and he wanted to understand why is this happening? And so I took him through my process and we went back in time and he suddenly re realized that he remembered walking with his mother on the streets of New York and at the age of three and looking down and seeing a shiny penny. And he got very excited and he reached down to pick up the penny and his mother jerked him back and said, don't touch that, it's dirty. And he suddenly realized that incident had made him feel like money is dirty. That's what mom said, after all. And so no matter how much he made, he couldn't hold on to it because it was dirty. So clearing that belief, he didn't lose any money after that. <laughs> so that's an example of how subtle these programs can be and how deep they can be in the subconscious mind. And that's why I go diving in the subconscious to find the source material and when you change it at the source, everything else changes because now you're looking through a different colored sunglasses. Beautiful. And it's it actually ties in perfectly. We have another guest on this podcast, Dr. Cynthia Sue Larson, who wrote the book Quantum Jumps. 
And she was sharing in her book of the idea of just quantum jumping. You can quantum jump to different variations of yourself, but first you need to see what are your limiting beliefs? What are the things that are stopping you? So you can jump to that version of yourself that is prosperous, that is X, Y, Z. I think that's so powerful, Lion. On that note, I would love to have you share where can people connect with you? I know you have your program coming up. Where can people connect with you and find out more about your work you're doing? Or work with you. Um, we have a free monthly event where we help people discover their core beliefs, and we call that Belief Relief. And that's beliefrelief.net. You can sign up for our monthly events there. Uh, if people are interested in my training, uh, that website is clearbeliefs.com. And if people want to work with me directly, my website is liongoodman.com. Amazing. And for those of you who are interested, if you want to do it, it's totally free and fun to do. You can go to om-heels.com and answer our get matched questions and find out is Lion one of your matches? He very well might be and you'd never know. So we invite you to go out there and explore, dive, excavate, go into your conscious, your subconscious and begin to dance with your fears, your beliefs, and those things that perhaps are preventing you from showing up as the highest and best version of yourself that is waiting to be seen, known, and heard. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for joining us today for another episode of Regarding Consciousness with Jennifer K. Hill. We would love it if you would take a moment and write a review for us or rate us on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And if you'd like to stay in touch and find out about upcoming events with some of the amazing guests we've had on the show, like Deepak Chopra and other world thought leaders, feel free to join my email list at metabizics, M-E-T-A-B-I-Z-I-C-S dot com. Again, that's metabizics dot com. And you can go ahead and join our email list there. Thanks so much. And we look forward to having you join us next week.